Please be seated. Could I have you turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 13? If you're using one of the Pew Bibles, the shortcut is page 1194. Page 1194, Hebrews chapter 13. And the children here, uh, kindergarten to second grade, are welcome to Children's Church, which they'll find through this door on the left side of the sanctuary. And uh, so we've already read through this uh, very brief passage, but since it's so brief, I'm going to read it again. The first three verses of Hebrews 13, and it's an admonition that we always need to keep hearing, and an admonition repeated in the New Testament in different places and in different ways, the admonition to love one another. Keep on loving each other as brothers, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison, as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated, as if you yourselves were suffering. Father, we pray that you will take your word today and apply it to our hearts, that you will work in our minds, that you will guide me as I speak, that you will guide us as we listen and hear. And, Father, that we'll treasure the words of your lips more than silver and gold. Thank you for such treasures that you've given to us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's a hot day. You choose the coolest part. You stoop down. You take one of those clovers in your hand and you feel down for the roots. You pull it out, bang off the soil, throw it off and go after another. You try to get both hands going, pulling up the amaranthus, the clovers, all these things. What are those funny little ones that have these useless little leaves that come up, but they have roots that go down so deep, and you try to get them out, and you pull this big, massive root. I have so many of them in my garden. And then you go, and, and the house needs tending. The car needs tending, has to go back to the shop. The kids need tending. Then you've got to go to the doctor. I need tending. Everything in life needs tending. And isn't it true that our souls also need tending? And so the Word of God comes and reminds us that our relationships need tending. The relationships in the family of God need careful nurture. We need to watch them. We need to watch out for them and not just let them slide, not let weeds grow up and not let them fall into disrepair. And so this passage reminds us to take care of the relationships in the body of Christ. And I think that what this passage does, it it comes from the teaching of Jesus. It strikes a chord which is repeatedly uh, uh, put forward in different parts of the New Testament. Uh, So we read 1 Corinthians 13, that, that favorite passage, it's all about love. And Romans 12, an admonition to love. Ephesians 5, it's all about love. And this all comes from the teaching of Jesus. Because he told his disciples in John chapter 13, a new command I give you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So what's 
knew about that. That was in the Old Testament, that you should love your neighbor. But what's especially new in the way Jesus gives the command is that our love is measured by His. That He is our model, our example, and our motive for how we love one another. And such love has no one ever had that He laid down His life for His friends. And so we look to Jesus as the model and as the motive of our love. Since Christ loves His people, so should we. Since the love of Christ overflows for His people, since it endures for His people, since it reaches all of His people, that's the kind of love that we should have for His people as well. Just as you know, you, you're not allowed to hate your brother or your sister because mom and dad don't approve of that, they don't put up with it, The reason is because the same mom and dad that love you love them. And you can't get away with not loving them because that's how you love mom and dad. And so God loves all of his children and we have to also. It isn't an option. So loving one another is a sign of spiritual health. If you'll look in, uh, just flip back into Uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and look at verse 32. You see these same Christians who are getting this letter are commended because they they, they love one another. At least they used to in earlier days. It was a positive, encouraging sign to see their love for one another. And so in Hebrews 10, verse 32 to 35, remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you, had, you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. It was a wonderful, positive sign Paul says about the, uh, the Thessalonians, you yourselves have been taught by God about brotherly love, so we don't need to say anything to you. It's a sign of spiritual health. So, does the doctor tell you when you're sick, just go and act healthy? Is it really wise for us as Christians to try to act like Christians? Is it fakery? Is it hypocrisy? Is it phony? when we just make an effort and we try real hard to be like Christians, when the Word of God tells us to love one another, it's telling us to do something good and it's good to try to obey it. It isn't bad. You know, it's kind of like when, when you hear the advice given to people who are trying to get a good job or get somewhere in their career, and the advice is given to them, dress for success you understand that the clothes are not the success and uh, that, that how you dress is not going to guarantee you anything. But somehow when you start taking steps in that direction, you start moving in the direction, you start acting like it, it just puts everything in gear. And so we believe that we have the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of love, is poured out in our hearts. And we just need to get started loving one another and keep at it and start acting like we love one another 
and trust God to pour out His Spirit in our lives and to make it happen, to make it real, to make it really overflow. So just go ahead and color in the lines. Maybe someday you'll be an artist. Uh, it's a good thing just to try. And so Paul tells the, 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 the Christians in the book of Colossians, if you flip back there, just a few pages, Colossians chapter 3. Uh, I've got it on page 1167. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. He tells the Christians to dress up in love. Just put it on. This is what he says. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive how? As the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. So there's the clothing to wear. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Put on love. Wear it. Try real hard. So that's what the Word of God is telling us uh, here in this passage, a very simple passage, just three verses, just one command, love your brothers and sisters in the Lord. But I want us to look at it and, uh, and see in this little passage the length of the love which we're to have for God's people and the breadth of the love that we're to have for God's people and the depth of the love that we're to have. So first, the length. To what length does this love extend? And uh, the love that we're to have for our brothers and sisters in Christ, like the love that the Lord Jesus had for us, is love that endures all the time. Christ loves all the time. And so should we. We should keep on loving our brothers and sisters. And that's what verse 1 says. Keep on loving each other as brothers. And then verse 2, do not forget to entertain strangers. Your love needs to still go further. It needs to keep going. It needs to endure. And then verse 3, remember those in prison and those who are, who are mistreated. And so our love needs to be love that keeps on going. It needs to uh, get to the end of the race. It needs to be love that endures. That's the command. What's the motive? Well, this, these verses don't really give too much about motives. But if you look right back above at the end of the previous chapter, just that last paragraph of chapter 12 in the book of Hebrews, verse 28 is what I'm thinking of. It talks about stability and endurance, doesn't it? It says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken... Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Since God's kingdom endures and isn't shaken, our love should endure and not be shaken. And it can endure and not be shaken because Christ is with us. Christ is still with us. And tomorrow He'll still be with us. And we can endure. We can continue loving. We don't need to lose heart. We don't need to give up. We don't need to peter out. Look at the, the, the faithful love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you flip back to Hebrews chapter 7? 
Um, I think it's good now that we're just looking at just the little uh, bullet point commands at the end of the book of Hebrews, that we go back into the book of Hebrews and look at the pictures that it gives us, which motivate us. And so this, these bullet point commands are reading in chapter 13, just love, 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 okay? Look at the picture in Hebrews chapter 17 of the Lord Jesus Christ and of his, his love and his faithfulness. It's enduring, as our love should be enduring. Hebrews 7, verses 13 through 25. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Have you gone astray again? Jesus is still there interceding for you. Are you going to go astray tomorrow? He's praying for you. He's still there. He's still watching out for you. His love endures. Let us be like him and love his children faithfully, enduringly. So what do we do to carry out this command? Keep on loving one another. What, what do we do practically with that? You know, I think in the, in the early church when the first readers read this letter, it, uh, it had a, a particular context. The context was that Christians were being persecuted. The thing which discouraged Christians in that day, the challenge which uh, pushed them back from faithful love and kept them from enduring in love for one another was that it costs something to name the name of Christ and to love your fellow Christians. And I think today we're not really experiencing um, persecution, not, not anything like, like what was going on at those times. But you know, the, the Christians who face persecution around the world, they really pray for us Americans. You know why? We have a, a, a worse spiritual enemy in some ways. That, that has a more powerful way, a more effective way of undermining our Christian faith and our Christian vitality and our Christian walk. And it isn't persecution and punishment and attacks. It isn't prisons. It isn't confiscations. But it's excess of enjoyment. It's distractions. It's affluence. Distractions. So many things that occupy our attention. So many things that pull us away. And I think that's where we can take this verse and we can apply it. That let's not let distractions cause our love to peter out too soon, but let's keep loving one another. So, you know, another video game. My kids are so wonderful. They give me another video game for, for Christmas, you know, and, uh, and I, I, I find myself just, uh, you know, Riveted. I've got to get back there. I've got to get to you know Planet X and get you know unlock another unlock so I can have bigger weapons so I can get more enemies and then I can go to Planet Z and there's this secret level I want to get to. I can't get there until I and uh, you know I get an invitation. Hey Seth, you want to do this and that? Ah, oh, oh, you know a conflict, conflict inside. Um, you know, some people are, are the, the distractions in their lives tend to be these uh, antisocial ones. Like, you know, that's, that's sort of my nature. And uh, other people, they, they get into social distractions. 
and just lots of useless talk, lots of useless activity, lots of useless spending time with people, and it never really amounts to anything. It's not focused. It's not going anywhere. It's not for Christ. And so we need to be aware of distractions, things that just pull us away and that just suck the life out of our love for God's people. Let's be focused. So distractions come on that little level of the day-to-day mundane things, but distractions also come on the level of life plans, life goals. What are you aiming at? What are you working toward? Is it going to help you to continue to keep on loving each other as brothers? Is it going to enable you to keep on loving the body of Christ? Is that part of the big, the big structure of your life? The things that you're aiming at, the, things that, that, the decisions you make about where you live and what you do and who you're involved with, are those things uh, connected with your calling to love your brothers and sisters in Christ? This is a very important command that we're given to keep on loving each other. Don't let yourself get in a position where it's going to be easy to drift away because, you know, love needs constant tending. So, the length of love, it needs to be long. It needs to endure. It needs to keep on going. The breadth of love, how broad does the love of Christians need to be? It needs to be as broad as the love of Christ. Christ loves all His people And so should we. Our love needs to extend to all of the children of God. And I think that's what we see as the principle behind verse 2. It says, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing some people have entertained angels without knowing it. And um, what you have here is actually a little play on words. Uh, The first verse said that we have to keep on having, in Greek, Philadelphia, love for brothers. So let Philadelphia endure, the love for brothers, brotherly love. That is love for the the fellow Christians, those who are in Christ with us. And verse 2 says that we should also uh, not neglect philozania. Philozania, the love for strangers. And so it's, it's, uh, the philozania is really a word that means hospitality. It means welcoming guests, welcoming strangers. But there's a little bit of a, of a difference. It's not, this verse, this command is not really so much focusing on just entertaining. You know, be sure that you do a lot of entertaining at your house, that you have lots of friends over and, and you know, enjoy, have lots of nice parties. That's not what the command is. It's not just, you know, make, be, be, you know be a party person. But what the command is, is that we should focus on the bond that we have with God's people. That we should treasure that bond, even and especially with those that we don't know. Those who are strangers to us in every sense, except that we share a common bond in Jesus Christ. That if someone is a Christian, you should get to know them, you should get to love them, and you should reach across the barriers that separate you and build a relationship. That's philozenia. That's loving strangers. It's treasuring the bond 
that makes us one in Christ. Uh, more than, you know, who is your, uh, you know, who is the chariot racing team that you support? And, uh, you know, which part of the Mediterranean are you from? Are you one of those northern Greek, you know, Italian types? Or are you one of those uh, eastern, you know, Hebrew types? Or, uh, you know, Syrian? Or, you know, what, what's your background? That's not what's important. What's important is have you found the Savior? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you one of his people? And that's the bond that we need to focus on and treasure. The early church needed to focus on hospitality. That's how they operated. That's how they really kept things going. Uh, If you look here in, in Hebrews 13, you can see evidence of the importance of hospitality. In verse 23, um, just, just uh, by the way, you know, talking about other things and hospitality crops up. Verse 23, I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Yeah, and then what? What are you going to eat? Where are you going to stay? And, uh, you know, Paul writes to his friend Philemon and says, uh, I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers, so get that guest room ready for me. Uh, Paul writes to the, in, in the book of Romans, uh, you know, you get this funny little thing, the very beginning of chapter 16. Chapter 16 in the book of Romans is where Paul does all of his greetings, all the personal notes to individuals, and he names all these names. The first one he names in the first two verses is Phoebe. And it, it seems like she is the person who carried the original letter to the Romans to Rome. And uh, so he tells, he tells about Phoebe in, in Romans 16, 1 and 2 and says she's a servant, she's a deacon of the church over there in Sancria, over there in Greece. Welcome her. Receive her. For she's been a great help to me and to many. And uh, so whatever business Phoebe was on, she was carrying the book of Romans to the church in Rome. And they had to welcome her. The, the letter of Third John, that little tiny letter, that's what it's all about, is hospitality. Welcoming itinerant teachers. The early church needed to depend on hospitality and people uh, receiving uh, brethren from different places and giving them a place to stay so that they could have teachers coming in and going out and, and there could be good teaching among the churches. So it enriched the churches. It honored Christ for the way that he is at work among different people. And it reveals Christ because Christ is seen when that bond between Christians is appreciated. When the only thing that unites us is just that love of Christ, then you see that and it stands out and it shines brightly. What a joy to get involved with Christians that you have nothing in common with except Christ. And you see that bond uh, standing out. And Christ is revealed and glorified. And so, uh, yeah, there's a little motive here about entertaining angels. Um, Some people, by uh, showing hospitality, have entertained angels without knowing it. And, uh, you know, I think that the point here again is that when you focus on Christ at the center of, of your relationships, that you may experience a blessing that is more than you could have anticipated. You get involved with a Christian that you have no connection with, you know nothing about, you know nothing about them. You don't know what kind of blessing you've been missing. 
because you've traveled in such small circles. And uh, try to, to get involved with other people. You'll never regret it. You know, there, there have been all kinds of people, you know, in, in, in my house, you know, people who do a lot of, of uh, welcoming of strangers or a lot of entertaining, way more than me. They would never give it up. You get some schmucks. You know, there are all kinds of people in the world. You know, you get some no good for nothings. They're there. You know, the phonies and the fakes, they're there. But you find some real gems. And even, even those times that you're entertaining somebody and they're kind of a loser, they're just, they don't know anything, they don't love the Lord, and they're just misusing the occasion, and, and they're just full of baloney, uh, you, you gain something. You find a blessing. But sometimes you meet someone who just drops a gem and you treasure it, you, you just remember it, you keep coming back to it for a long time. So, um, you know, what's the challenge here? Um, we, we have hotels these days. In fact, a lot of times guests prefer staying in, in a hotel rather than staying in a home. But um, let's, let's take the challenge. Let's take the challenge. You can do it. It's real easy. You can do it today. Service is over. You stand up. You turn. You shake a hand. You say your name. You ask a name. And then you ask us, you know, some easy question. You know, have you been coming here long? Uh, Where do you live? You know, just some little question. You get things started. And you meet someone you don't know. And you, you just appreciate that bond you have in Christ. You never know what you'll discover. I don't think there are too many schmucks around here. You, uh, you know, call up, the, um, call up the missions chairman. The missions conference is coming up. Say that you want to invite a missionary into your home. Uh, invite someone from, from church out to lunch. Just, you know, Sunday lunch. We're going over to someone's house. Why don't you come along? Or over to your house. And, uh, and just have lunch. Uh, accept an invitation. You know, we get invitations. That, oh, man, I'm too busy. I've got so much stuff to do. Push stuff aside. Make room in your schedule and spend time with people. Uh, how how uh, broad should the love of Christ be? Let's, let's get radical. Could you uh, adopt an international student? Could an international student, you know, one of the, the thousands from all around the world who are studying in Boston, uh, find a, a little home away from home with you an opportunity to actually get into an American home, to be exposed to the real America. Yeah, you say, well, my home isn't the real America. It is. It is. And uh, what, a, what an enriching opportunity. Let your love expand even broader, not only to all your fellow Christians, but maybe to future Christians, people who've never heard the gospel, and uh, they might hear it through you. So let our love be as broad as the love of Christ. Our love needs to be long so it doesn't peter out. It needs to be broad, as broad as the body of Christ, and it needs to be deep, as deep as the love of Christ. How deep does the love of a Christian need to be? Christ loves his people as himself, and so should we. And so we see this command in verse 3. Hebrews 13, verse 3. Uh, Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. And I want to focus on the smallest little words in there. 
repeated twice, as if. As if. That's how Christ loved you. As if. Would you uh, uh, just, just remember uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Jesus came among us. He became a man. Because those he wanted to save were human, he himself became human. He became a real human being, just like us, except without sin. Because he wanted to save people like us, he became one of us. He's not ashamed to be called our brother or to call us brothers. And so uh, we are to love as Jesus did, uh, just as his love uh, overflows and reaches us. And that's how we should love one another. So how do we, how do, we do this literally? Um, if, you, if you look just literally, verse 3, Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, those who are mistreated. You can literally pray for and uh, care for, reach out to those who are being persecuted today. And they're not much in America. But you have organizations like Voice of the Martyrs. And you can find out about them and you can get involved in people who are really facing terrific persecution today. Our day is a day when people are being martyred in greater numbers than ever in history. And it's not reported. It doesn't get attention. So we, we should be able to take this verse and give attention to those who are being persecuted today in our affluence, in our joy, with all of our distractions. But um, I think we can also apply more in our daily lives the principle so there aren't a lot of people around who are being persecuted. But the principle involved is that there is a unity and identification between Christ and his people. So when Paul is persecuting the church and Jesus appears to him, what does he say to Paul? Why do you persecute me? So there's a mystery here. Christ is present in his people. He's loved in his people. And uh, when his people are undergoing suffering, it is Christ undergoing that suffering. And so in Matthew 10, Jesus tells his disciples, if someone receives a prophet because he is a prophet, he will receive a prophet's reward. Like old Elijah, you, you bless Elijah or Elisha, and wow, children are raised from the dead, and you know, jugs of oil never run out. You get a prophet's reward. Whoever receives a wise man receives a wise man reward. If anyone receives one of these followers, these disciples, these children of mine because he is a Christian, because he is a disciple, I tell you, he will not fail to lose his reward. If he even gives a cup of cold water uh, because he is a disciple, he will not fail to receive a reward. So we need to be a blessing. This is why the scripture tells us rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, because we're one. We're one in Christ. So love as if it was you. Love as if it was you going through this loss. As if it was you receiving this wonderful benefit. And so you can celebrate with someone and rejoice with someone. Even though you're going through hard times, you can celebrate with someone who's getting uh, good things and sympathize and help a brother or sister who's going through
hard, terrible, uh, difficult things. God calls us to love one another, to care for one another, to endure, to not give up, to hold on, to persevere in loving, to push aside all the distractions, to embrace our brothers and sisters, to focus on that bond of love that unites us together with His people, to love one another in a deep way, to pour ourselves out for our brothers and sisters as if their sufferings were our own, as if their joys were our own. So let us focus on our brothers and sisters, focus on love, tend it, care for it, not let it slip through our fingers, not let it rust and fall apart due to neglect. Let us continue to love one another. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this reminder from your word of this basic truth of Christianity that Christians love one another. And Father, may we experience it and live it out in our lives. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Well, let's respond to that message by singing the last two verses of that song we sang earlier, the Compassion Hymn. We'll start with that verse. We stood beneath the cross of Calvary, and Jesus, in a most anguished moment, extended love and compassion by pardoning a criminal on the cross. So we look to him as our example. Would you stand and let's join together. stood beneath the cross of Calvary and gazed on your face at the thorns of oppression and the wounds of disgrace for surely you have borne our suffering and carried our grief as you pardoned the scoffer and showed grace to
have some members of our prayer team here who would love to pray with you, uh, Vera and Kath- Catherine. And uh, I'd, I'll be in the back as well. Tim, will you come and close the service in prayer? And uh, after the service, we're going to have um, a couple of testimonies. So, you know, 10 minutes or so, and we'll have a couple of testimonies here in the front. So, thanks. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the truth of your word, for its compelling message to us. Lord, we are compelled, after hearing that sermon, to love one another, love those that are close to us and love those that are far that we don't know. We ask, Lord, today that you would give us the grace to be your ambassadors, to, to go and, and be uh, Jesus Christ to others. We ask for you to give us that strength in Jesus' name. Amen.